Thank you for checking out this sermon video here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Do us a favor and text new to hope to 94090. After you hit send, you'll get an immediate response from our team with a link to a short form for you to fill out so we can get to know you better. The message you are about to watch is part of our current sermon series, Proverbs, Everlasting Wisdom for Everyday Life. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. I recently, in my own God time, finished reading through the books of First and Second Kings. Uh, hadn't done that in a while, so just spent several weeks, probably a couple of months in First and Second Kings, just walking verse by verse in my own time, alone with the Lord daily, just my daily devotional rhythm. And there's a phrase that jumped out at me. When you read through a book of the Bible, I encourage you to do that as you spend time alone with the Lord, not just to use the theory where you just kind of let it fall open and read wherever it falls open. God gave it to us in books and in chapters for a reason, the way He gave us the Bible. He gave it to us in this order. And so I like to read through books of the Bible. And as you do that, sometimes phrases just jump out. And for me, one that jumped out as I was reading in First and Second Kings was this phrase. Here's one example. In First Kings 18, verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Elijah. And over and over and over again in the books of First and Second Kings, you read this statement about the word of the Lord coming to Elijah or to one of the prophets. Now, what that verse means, what that phrase is teaching us is that God spoke to Elijah. Now, I don't even claim to know all that that means. God spoke to Elijah. I do know that in the Old Testament, we learn as we read the Old Testament that it was normal for God to speak through dreams and visions and signs and even at times direct voices. So when the Bible says in 1 Kings that the word of the Lord came to Elijah, I don't know if that meant in a dream. I don't know if that was a, a vision or if sometimes that was even an audible direct voice where Elijah heard the voice of God. Some people ask the question, does God still speak like that today? Well, I guess he can. I mean, his name is God, right? So that means he can do whatever he wants to do. He's God. So God could today speak in dreams and visions and signs and direct voices if he chooses to. But I'm going to be as transparent as I can be before you tonight. I've now been walking with the Lord for over 30 years as a follower of Jesus. Uh, have been in pastoral ministry for 30 years and in those 30-plus years of walking with Jesus and 30 years in ministry, never one time have I heard God's audible voice. Never one time have I ever had a vision where I saw something. Never one time has God revealed something to me in a dream. And yet I believe many times in my life I could say that I've heard the Lord speak to me. You say, well, how does God speak to us today? Well, again, I don't claim to have all the answer to that question. 
Anybody who tells you they have the formula or they have the system or they have the way that God speaks today, when they tell you that, here's what I encourage you to do. Turn around and walk away quickly. Because nobody owns the market on that. But here's what I do believe convictionally. One of the primary ways that God speaks to us today is through His Word. One of the primary ways that God speaks to us is through His Word. God has given us His Word like a letter on life. And it's not just a letter that's random. It's a love letter to His children on all that life is about. And you and I have the opportunity every day to take this book and to open it, not as a have-to to be a good Christian. I don't open the Bible and read the Bible daily so I can check that off my list that I did my to-do today to make God happy with me. We have the opportunity to open this book and allow the Bible, God's Word, to be the centerpiece of a conversation that we have daily with our Father. Now maybe you hear that and you say, well, I read the Bible and it doesn't always feel like God is speaking into my life. Well, let me encourage you. You're not alone. There's a lot of days I read the Bible and it doesn't feel like I'm hearing God's voice, that I'm hearing God speak. But isn't that kind of like all relationships? There are some days relationships you really feel. And there are other days, all the married people in the room specifically can understand this. Some days you feel in love. And some days you just love, right? Some days it feels like when you're opening God's Word that you're hearing God. Other days it doesn't feel like it. But let me encourage you and give you a verse. And I'm going somewhere with this in Proverbs in just a moment. Out of Isaiah 55, let me give you an encouraging passage of Scripture that I hope helps you in understanding how we read God's Word. Look what it says. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be with which goes forth from my mouth. So look what he's doing. He's comparing his word to what? Say it out loud. Rain and what? Snow. Now, rain and snow both ultimately do the same thing, right? They both do what? They water the earth, right? But the way they water the earth is very different. When it rains, it immediately gets wet. Everything gets wet. When it snows, that snowbank, depending on where you live in the country or in the world, that snowbank can sit for days and weeks, sometimes months and months before the sun melts it and then it waters the earth. Here's the point. When you and I sit down conversationally daily to read God's Word, and we begin by saying, God, I'm not reading the Bible today to read the Bible. I'm reading the Bible to spend time with you. And, Lord, I'm going to do my best to listen. Anything you desire to say to me today, Lord, I'm listening. Some days, it's going to rain. And you will, in the moment, feel God speaking through His Word. Other days, here's what you're doing. When you build that discipline to read the Word in your life, here's what you're doing on other days. You're building up a snowbank of Scripture, a snowbank of God's Word in your life. That in that very moment when you need it, the Holy Spirit of God is going to melt away that snow, and God's Word is going to speak into your life and breathe life into your soul. 
If you've experienced that personally, let me see your hand. I need to see your hand because I can't really see your face. And that's the hardest part. I thought preaching to a camera was tough. It's even tougher sometimes preaching to a masked audience because all you see are their eyes looking straight at you. And it's intimidating. You say, how does all this apply to Proverbs? Well, we're studying together through the book of Proverbs. We've asked you to daily build the discipline in to read a chapter from Proverbs that corresponds to the day of the month. Over the last several days, and even into last week of Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs repeated a big idea over and over and over again. I want to give it to you in a statement. A wise way to live is to give priority to hearing from God daily through His Word. A wise way to live is to give priority to hearing from God daily through His Word. So if that's what wisdom is teaching us, what's the opposite of that? The opposite of that would be to live foolishly. To live foolishly would be to not give priority to daily hearing from God through His Word. So that, that begins with the question, are you living this way? Are you living wisely? Are you giving priority time daily to hearing from God through His Word? The writer of Proverbs says that is a very wise way to live. Let me show it to you in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 6, and really, I could have picked several places in the Scripture. In chapter 2, Proverbs says this. In chapter 3, Proverbs says this. In chapter 4, in chapter 5, in chapter 6, and in chapter 7, it almost repeats what it says in chapter 6, word for word. Now, I don't believe God ever puts anything in the Bible more than once just to repeat Himself. God puts it in there more than once to communicate to us the priority of the message that we're hearing. Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in verse 20. Listen to what it says. My son, observe the commandment of your father, and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Now remember here, as we're reading this, in this day and age, the way that they passed down the Scripture, the way that the Bible, God's Word, was passed from one generation to the next, was orally. They didn't have the written Word at this point. They were orally passing down the Scriptures in Proverbs. So this commandment of your father and this teaching of your mother is a reference to God's Word. Look at verse 21. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is light, and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. So out of those verses that I just read for you from Proverbs, I want to ask and answer three questions. Here's the first one. Why did God give us His Word? Why did God give us His Word? Now, let me preface this by saying 
What I'm going to do tonight is not answer that question exhaustively. We could actually do a whole sermon series on answering the question, why did God give us His Word? What I want to do is narrow my answer to simply unpacking what the writer of Proverbs here says in Proverbs chapter 6 about why God gave us His Word. I want to give you two very practical reasons why God gave it to us. Here's the first one. He gave us His Word to show us the way. He gave us His Word to show us the way. Did you hear what the Bible says in, in, in verse 23? For the commandment is a, what, say it out loud, is a lamp, and the teaching is a what? Lamp and light. What is light? You ever looked up the word light, L-I-G-H-T, in the dictionary? Did you know that if you look up the word light in the dictionary, there are over 30 different definitions for the word light. And I'm not talking about varying definitions. I don't mean light as in not heavy or light as in to set something on fire. I mean just the kind of light that this is talking about. As you look up in the ceiling and you see lights, or if you're there in your home and you look up and see lights, the kind of lights that you're looking just that kind of light, there are over 30 unique definitions in the dictionary for the word light. Let me give you one of them. Here's a definition in Webster's Dictionary. Light is an electromagnetic radiation in the wavelength range, including infrared, visible, ultraviolet, and X-rays, and traveling in a vacuum with a speed of about 186,281 miles per second. Now, when I ask the question, what is light? If that's the first definition that popped into your mind, you need to get out more often, right? Because you're spending way too much time with a dictionary. Here's my favorite of the 30 definitions for the word light. You ready? Here it is. Not dark. That's more my language, right? I can remember that one. But I want to add even more complexity. I'm going to give you a new definition for the word light. None of the 30 satisfied me. So I want to mix it up. Here's a new definition specifically about light as it's used here in Proverbs. Light is that which makes vision possible. Light is that which makes vision possible. Did you know that physically, you and I cannot see without light? Now, it doesn't have to be much light. As a matter of fact, if you walked into, a, if you were outside in the bright sunshine and you walk into a dark room like a movie theater, there's not near as much light in that movie theater. But you know what's going to happen within a matter of seconds? That your eye has been designed by God in such a way that it's going to find whatever light is in that room and begin to allow that light in. And in moments, your eyes will adjust when you walk into a dark room. You, will, you couldn't see at first, but now you can see perfectly fine because your eyes were able to find that light and bring it in. But if you were able to go down deep into a dark cave where there was no light, you can literally put your hand in front of your face and you cannot see. The eye has been made by God so that without light, vision is impossible. The same thing is true spiritually. We cannot know God we cannot see God. We cannot hear 
the voice of God. We cannot discover the will of God apart from the Word of God. God gave us His Word to be light in the midst of the darkness of this world. He gave it to us to show us the way. When I was a kid, I grew up, most of you know this, I grew up in the state of Alabama. Alabama is known for a lot of things. One of the things that Alabama is unfortunately famous for is being a place where a lot of tornadoes come. So, like, for example, only uh, Kansas and Alabama have the, have the most F5 tornadoes ever in history in those two states. So, in Alabama, we had two tornado seasons every year growing up, and it just was kind of like living in California with the earthquakes. You just get used to it. It just becomes a normal way of life. And we, we did the school drills where they'd take you out in the hallway and teach you how to get ready for the tornadoes, and, and tornadoes would come regularly. And what, what always came with the tornadoes was these massive, storm cells. And one of the things that would always happen when these big storms would come through is a power outage. The lights would go out. There would be no electricity. And so growing up in Alabama, we did something that we I don't think we've ever done here in Las Vegas in our home. In Alabama, everybody in the house knew where three things always were. We knew where there were flashlights. We knew where there were candles. And we knew where there were matches. We always knew where those things were. Because when the lights went out, when it got dark, and I'm talking about dark. There's, you know, I've, I've lived now in Las Vegas for 20 years. There's city dark and then there's country dark. And I'm telling you, country dark is way darker than city dark. When the power outage would come and the lights would go out and you weren't expecting it, man, it got dark. And here's what I learned as a kid. When it gets dark, if you don't know where the light is, you're in trouble. And I think many Christians today live with fear, anxiety, frustration, stress, confusion, Because we live in a world that is dark. And you don't know where the light is. When we don't seek God daily through His Word, then we begin to wonder why in the moment of decision, where's God's voice? Listen, when it gets dark, it's too late to try to find the light. We need to know where the light is before it gets dark. People often seek out pastors to ask the question, what's God's will in a particular situation? It's one of the top probably five things that I get asked when somebody wants to sit down with me, wants to talk with me. It's it, One of the top five things is they're facing some decision, some opportunity, some circumstance, some situation, and they want to know what is God's will in this situation? What does God have to say about this? And if you've ever come and asked me that question, you already know what I'm going to say. The very first question I ask those people every time without hesitation is this. So, Tell me about your time alone with God daily in His Word. And sometimes it's like, well, uh, well, yeah, that's that's good. That's good. Yeah, I, I, I should be doing that. Listen, I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm not trying to come down on you. But here's what I'm telling you. I want to help you tonight. Listen. 
turn on the light. Turn on the light. If you and I would live wisely and give priority to God's Word in our lives on a daily basis, here's what I'm telling you that I've learned 30-plus years of walking with Jesus. The primary way God speaks into our lives is not signs from the sky. It's not thunder in the air. It's not lightning bolts. It's not voices out loud. It's regularly through time spent alone with Him in His Word. And as we begin to cultivate a priority, to be alone with God and His Word. It turns on the light in our lives. God gave us His Word to show us the way. But secondly, He gave us His Word to correct us when we're going the wrong way. Did you hear that phrase? And reproofs for discipline are the way of life. A couple of words in here we don't really like very much. Amen? Reproof. Nobody signs up for that class. And discipline. Because we hear those words in our culture, and we hear them in a way that is punitive. We think reproof and discipline means punishment. But both of these words in the Hebrew language speak to correction or instruction. When you hear reproof and discipline, don't hear punishment. Think about the illustration of a coach. For example, this is one of the things I was going to do that we're going to, I'm going to figure this out here real quick. Um, but I love baseball. A lot of you that know me know how much I love the game of baseball. This is actually Pastor Tom's bat uh, out of his office. He's on vacation. <laughs> I guess he should have locked his door. Um, but, but I borrowed Tom's bat to illustrate when a coach, I, when my kids, we first moved to Las Vegas, one of the first things I did to begin engage community and to build relationships in the city was I started coaching baseball. I love baseball, love the game of baseball. One of the things you have to do is you have to teach kids how to bat. Now, some kids in Little League Baseball have experience. They've worked at home. Other kids, the parents were just trying to find something for them to do. They've never seen a baseball field in their life. They show up at the practice for the first day, and you say, okay, grab that bat and run up to home plate. And inevitably, some kid grabs the bat like this, walks up, stands on home plate, looks straight at the pitcher just like this, like they're going to bat like this, right? And what do you have to do? You have to reprove and discipline. What is it? It's instruction and correction. You have to teach that, that kid how to. No, you don't stand on home plate. You stand beside home plate in what's called the batter's box. And you teach them how to grip the bat and how to position the bat and to get ready and how to, how to accelerate, how to keep their weight back and how to shift with their hips and turn into the pitch. And you go through all these things to coach them and instruct them on how to swing the bat. That's the picture of reproof and discipline. And here's the point. Look what he says. Reproofs and disciplines are not to punish us. They are for to show us the what? The way of life. What that means is, that word life literally means to enjoy life. The Bible says God's given us His Word to correct us and to reprove us and to instruct us and to discipline us so that we can really enjoy life. When I tell the kids standing on home plate, waiting for the pitcher to throw like this, 
when I correct him and instruct him and reprove him, I'm not doing that because I want to rob him of the joy of dodging baseballs. I'm doing that because I want to protect him. I'm doing that because, get this, I want him or her to be as successful as they can possibly be at the task that they have been assigned, which is hitting that ball. So correction and reproof is not to punish them. It's to allow them to maximize the opportunity that they've been given. Now think about that in light of what God's Word says. God has given us His Word to show us the way But He's also given us His Word to correct us when we're going the wrong way, not to rob us of all the joy and privilege of living outside of God's boundaries, but because God wants us to get the most out of this opportunity called life. In Proverbs chapter 7, the Bible says it this way, Keep my commandments and... Say it out loud. Everywhere in the book of Proverbs... This phrase is, keep my commandments and live, or reproofs and corrections. Here's what I've written out in the margin of my Bible for this word live. Enjoy life. Now think about that. What does the enemy say? <laughs> keep God's commandments? Life's going to be terrible. Keep God's commandments? You're going to miss out. Keep God's commandments? <laughs> There goes all the fun. When the truth says, keep His commandments and enjoy life to the fullest. And listen, that's not advice from a bystander. That's truth from the one who created life. Which means... If anybody ought to know how to enjoy it to the fullest, let's ask the one who designed it, who created it, who sustains it, who holds it together. So that's why God gave us His Word. To show us the way, to correct us when we're going the wrong way. So let me ask a second question. What's my attitude then towards God's Word. And in asking that question, there were two phrases in these verses as I studied them that I just couldn't get away from. I want to put the two phrases up on the screen one at a time. The first one is in verse 21. And these two phrases really capture the attitude that we should have towards God's Word. Look what he says. Bind them continually on your heart. I pray as you read that phrase, it's as convicting for you as it has been for me. What's my attitude towards His Word? Bind them continually on your heart. The word bind them in Hebrew, it means literally to tie something up. Figuratively, it means to attach to oneself. God's Word says we're to take His Word... And we're to bind it to our heart. And look what he says. We're to do it. Say that word out loud. Continually. Let me try to let that word breathe for a minute. 
I looked up that word in Hebrew and I studied some other places in the Bible where that word is used. And I'll give you three pictures of what continually looks like. In Leviticus chapter 6, this word continually is used to describe a fire that is burning. Think about it. Fires don't start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. Fires don't burn for three days and then go out for three weeks. And then burn for three days. And yet often that's our approach to God's word. A fire's continuous, nonstop. Give you another example. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 32 uses this word to describe parents who are continually longing for a child that has been kidnapped or gone missing. Think about it. If your child went missing, how often would you think about them? That's the word continually. That just became the all-consuming passion of your life, right? Continually. Here's the third one. In, in, in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 24, this word continually refers to a farmer who is cultivating the ground to produce a harvest. I come from an agricultural area where I, where I was born and raised. A lot of farmers in our area. And farmers, they're up before anybody else is up. And they work longer days than just about anybody. And they work 365 days a year. They don't get any days off. It's a, it's a 24 hour a day, seven day a week. If you want that harvest next year, then you got to put the time in now. And it's got to be continuous cultivation. Here's the point. If you want to hear God speak, if you want to hear His voice in your life, if you want to know God's will in the moments of decision, you and I must continually be attaching the Word to our heart. John Gill said it this way, The Word is to have an abiding place in the understanding, affections, memory, and will. That should be our relationship with the Word. So let me give you the first attitude we should have towards God's Word. Here's the first attitude we should have if we're going to live wisely. I should treasure God's Word. I don't want you to answer out loud, especially if you're watching at home and it's a small crowd. I sure don't want you to answer out loud. Can you honestly say that you treasure God's Word? If someone else were to watch you, would they say about you, man, she treasures, he treasures God's Word? Let me show you an example of what this looks like. Turn over in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 2. This is a place where the writer of Proverbs said the same thing he said in chapter 6 here in chapter 2. Look at this. My son, beginning in verse 1, if you will receive my words. You hear that? Say that word. If. So, so this is getting conditional, right? If 
you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure. You hear all those action words describing our pursuit of God's word? If I'm receiving and treasuring and leaning in and inclining my heart, if I'm crying, if I'm lifting my voice, if I'm seeking after it, if, then look at this, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. You know the problem for American Christians? We want the then without the if. I want to know God. I want to know His power. I want to know His will in this moment. I need to know the the answer to this question. I need to know direction in this decision. I want the then. I just don't want the if. Listen, you can't get to the then without the if. That's why Proverbs says, Wisdom gives priority to the Word daily in our lies. Well, then that raises a question. How do I do this? Well, I don't have time to unpack this, but let me just give you three statements of how do we do this. Three ways. How do I treasure God's Word? And you're going to have to go home and kind of dig into this, but I'm going to give you three. Daily time in the Word. Weekly time under the Word. Consistent fellowship around the Word. Daily time in the Word, that's your time alone with God daily, having a conversation around His Word. Weekly time under the Word, God has ordained through the act of preaching to speak into our lives as we sit under the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. And then consistent fellowship around the Word is doing life with believers in smaller groups where we're fellowshipping around the Word and speaking about application into our lives. There's no way you and I can ever say, We're treasuring God's Word if these three disciplines are not a regular practice in our life. Let me me ask it this way. How many of you would say all three of these things are very important? Even at home, you can raise your hand. These are very important things. Let me see your hand. We'd all agree with that. Here's what I'm saying. we got to move our convictions into our calendar. we got to start ordering our life around the convictions that we understand to be true about the Word of God if we're going to hear His voice. He says, bind them around your heart. Then here's the the second thing. He says, here's the second phrase, and do not forsake the teaching. Do not forsake the teaching. The word forsake means to leave alone, to leave unused. Here's what that means. It's one thing to hear the Word, It's something else to apply what I'm hearing to my life. The illustration that's given in the book of James, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, writes about this in the book of James, and he uses the illustration of a mirror. He says God's Word is like a mirror. And if I can aim this right, I can probably blind somebody right here with the lights, right? But this is a a mirror. Now, what do we do? We look into a mirror, and and we can see ourselves in a mirror. 
And sometimes when we look into a mirror, we see something that needs to be fixed. And I'm not, I'm not talking about self-image issues. Listen, we as Christians need to get comfortable being who we are and how God, God has made you fearfully and wonderfully. Who you are is who God made you to be. But when I'm talking about looking in the mirror, I'm talking about you look in the mirror and you see that you spilled ketchup all down the side of your face or that you have popcorn all over your shirt after you've come out of the movie theater. When you see that in the mirror, it's one thing to see it in the mirror. It's something else to lay the mirror down, walk away, and do nothing about it. When you see that you've got ketchup on your face in the mirror, here's what all of us in the room would appreciate. Wipe it off. Right? What is that? That's the application of the Word. It's one thing to know what God's Word says. It's something else to begin to apply it in our lives. So here's the last question. Here's the last question. What does God promise to those who give priority to hearing from Him daily through His Word? And we'll close with this back over in chapter 6, verse 22. I'm not going to go into this deep. I just want to give you three statements out of this verse. Look at this. When you and I give priority to God's Word, look what He says. When you walk about, they'll guide you. What's they? What's the they here? It's the Word of God. It's His commandments. It's His teaching. It's His instruction. When you walk about, it'll guide you. When you sleep, it'll watch over you. When you awake, they will talk to you. Do you hear how personal and practical that is? Here's what that means. Let me give it to you in three statements. God's Word will guide you. That speaks to direction. You want to know God's will? You want to know what to do in each of those decisions when you don't think you know what to do? Here's the answer. Give priority to the Word and God's Word will guide you. He said God's Word will watch over you. You know what that is? That's protection. You want God to protect your family, to protect your marriage, to protect your business? Here's the first step in inviting the protection of God into your life. Give priority to the Word in your life daily. And then finally, God's Word will talk to you. It's counsel. You'll find a sweet source of counsel in the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit of God as He melts away that snowbank and just speaks God's Word into your heart and life. wise way to live is to give priority to daily hearing God through His Word.